This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? spent the last seven years of my life living out my wildest dreams. Bianca, Rocky, my dad. This was built on their shoulders. Damien's fighting the world. He's trying to hurt people. Something is going on with you. Damien was like family. Now we pass talking. Then maybe you just have to find out. Do what I gotta do. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And together we are reviewing the latest installment in the, is it the Rocky franchise or the Creed franchise at this point? It's the Creed franchise, isn't it? I think, yeah, yeah, I think think, the three, the third firmly establishes it as a franchise. So we're talking about Creed 3, directed by and starring Michael B. Jordan. I have to confess, I think early on, that this is the first Creed movie I'm watching. Um, I know the Rocky movies, I've watched the first three, I really liked at least the first two. Uh, But Creed, for some reason, just never interested me before this, even though I've heard really good things. And even then, I'm actually so glad that I came into this. Um, Creed 3 is such a good watch. It's such a good watch. Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I loved it. Um, I just want to say, though, like early on, uh, even starting off this review, the movie is called Creed 3. I know Uh, it's also about Adonis Creed. Um, It's his legacy. Michael B. Jordan is the leading actor and the hero of the story. But I think it's safe to say that we are officially in the era of Jonathan Majors um, and Mm. this whole movie is the Jonathan Majors show. Uh, the the whole cast does such a good job, right? Like Michael B. Jordan is directing and acting. Tessa Thompson is is great. But Jonathan Majors is chewing scenery on on a whole other level as Dame, uh, the antagonist. And I think he steals the whole movie. So Creed 3 belongs to that guy, that one guy. On a very light note, before we get into everything, do you think Jonathan Majors will ever be in a film where he smiles normally? <laughs> like where he's not menacing? Because normally his smiles are either the product of like great stress and catharsis and it's like, ha, ah, um, or it's like a menacing evil smile. Lovecraft and Country before things went horrible. Even then. Even then, you're even right. Even then. Like bad times to live in. Yeah. Nola, because from the first time that um, Jonathan Majors, Dame Anderson shows up in the movie, you're like, ah, there's there's like a quiet discomfort that permeates the whole thing, even though he is ostensibly, and I'm using like air marks, doing a lot of heavy lifting, genial. Um, so <laughs> the story of Creed 3 is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It follows in the footsteps of the other, uh, of the boxing movies that make its legacy. So Adonis Creed has retired as one of the all-time greats. He retired on a high. Um, He's building the gym. He's building his business. He's in a happy marriage. He's got a happy child. And into this uh, comes Damien 
Diamond Dame Anderson, um, a childhood friend with whom he has a complicated past and a lot of guilt. And then and Dame comes back in wanting a shot at the title. Um, and through the movie's permutations, the two men find themselves facing off. But it's, it's uh, I think it's also got more complicated things to say about forgiveness and culpability and all the rest of it as well. So I love sports movies actually for somebody who perhaps doesn't necessarily follow real life sports all that much I actually love the arc of sports movies um, I think boxing movies are some of the most exciting ones to be able to watch it's why I like I love Rocky I loved Ali um, I loved uh, The Fighter like so they're just these movies really work for me the thing I found really interesting about Creed 3 is that while the boxing sequences and the requisite training montages and everything were great, so beautifully shot, I kind of came away thinking of it as a movie about growing up and family and childhood trauma and friendship, which I thought was very interesting because, um, and perhaps kind of fitting, right? Because by this point, if we take into account the Creed franchise as well as the Rocky franchise, we've had eight variations of this story already and they needed to bring something new to it and I think they really did with this film. And it, they, they sort of focus on the more on the character drama if that makes sense than the actual uh, fight spots or the, the actual matches that take place right. Um, I'm also always fascinated by how and this is a template that I think was set by the Rocky movies um, how these movies always managed to make Rocky um, and now Creed uh, the underdogs in every single film I know comes up. Yeah. Like, how do you go right? from world champ who exactly. lives in like this mansion to being the underdog guys he's on a billboard <laughs> the, the movie takes the time to put him on a billboard and yet by the end you're like wow wow I don't yeah. know if he can pull it off uh -huh. <laughs> you're like what are you talking about what an underdog tale this is, you know, the, the, the ninth movie of this uh, nine movie franchise. Um, because logically, right, that, that's not how character progression, you know, works. Like you start as an underdog, you win the championship, and then by definition, you're no longer an underdog. Um, so like Rocky did it in five movies, not including Rocky Balboa. Um, and then every single time it gets to the opening scene of the new movie, they reset it in some way. And what I love most is that with some suspension of disbelief in Creed 3 included, they they are able to tell a story that's believable enough that puts Creed at a disadvantage. Um, so I always laugh a bit when that happens. I'm like, oh, but but I'm always also impressed. Like, oh, they, they managed to spin it in some way again. They brought some guy back. And, and now again, you know, he he's fighting uphill. They're um, very good at getting you to forget what the stakes are. It's Cobra like, Kai. Really, what are the stakes? It's Cobra Kai. Yeah. It's the Cobra Kai it's formula. Cobra Kai. Yeah, you just bring someone back and then everyone's like, oh, new threat. <laughs> you know, it's the body reacting like antibodies. It's white blood cells going like, guys, we need to attack. But all of that, I think, um, under underplays the emotional heart of the movie. And if that's one thing that the Rocky franchise and subsequently the Creed franchise have always done very, very well, it's a place kind of emotional tenderness and openness at the heart of each film. Maybe less so... Um, maybe less so previously, but particularly in, in the Creed movies, his emotional development and his difficult past and all that stuff have been hugely important and I think very delicately dealt with. And that was partly what I enjoyed watching because the boxing scenes, we'll get to them later, I thought that they were incredible. But the, the character stuff was what interested me because normally at the third point in a franchise is when you not only, well, I mean, you can still like dredge stuff up and underdog the guy, but 
you don't always find new things to talk about with a character. Um, and in this case, they did it, but they and they did it convincingly, I think. I mean, for someone who doesn't actually have a huge attachment to um, Adonis Creed, because I've not watched him in his previous films, I was surprised at how quickly I started empathizing with his story. With Donnie. With Donnie. Um, they, they do really well at making him seem like a real person. Um when they have flashbacks to his past and his relationship with Dame, they do a really good job in, I think, a fairly short amount of time establishing what these kids were, um, you know, how they grew up, the kind of lives they had. Um, it has to do, I think, also with just having such a great cast, right? Because um, Michael B. Jordan is great. Tessa Thompson is great, as you guys said. Felicia Rashad as Michael B. Jordan's mom. Um, she's so good at, like, just the few scenes that she has. Um, and to go back to that point about Jonathan Majors basically owning this film um, it's so interesting that Michael B. Jordan was the director and yet this is the outcome because I find that such a generous move by him right because he could have made the story all about himself but I think he recognized that this was the tale he needed to tell guys I'm so sorry can I just say because the the revelation came to me in the middle of the movie but Jonathan Majors is Killmonger Oh yes, yes, of course. Yes, yes. he's the exact. It's it's exact parallels. It's um, it's a villain who has every reason to be angry, who has every yes. reason to come for somebody. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously more down to earth than that, but it's the emotional beats. I think jo- Jonathan Majors' Dame is Killmonger. Oh, that's that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I I love that you brought that up because I completely forgot that Ryan Coogler was um, yes, you know, involved with exactly. this movie, that he wrote this movie. And then when I saw his name at the end in, in the credits, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense because he, it, it's a pattern, right? Like the guy knows how to write some of the most compelling antagonists um, on screen. And and I use the word antagonist like very purposefully mm. because, you know, instead of villains, um, like Killmonger and, and Namor and now Dame in uh, Creed 3, like he writes them um, you want to see them headline their own movies, these antagonists, these characters. Um, he makes them like likable and uh, he makes them make sense. You empathize with them. Um, but you also know a lot that they are like unhinged and dangerous and, and they are threat. Um, and they are so, so complicated, like, you know, um, under the surface. So there's so many scenes in which like Dame completely overshadows Creed. Um, and you don't mind. You're like, I, I'm, I'm here for this. I think the Kugler point is actually also really important because of how the movie uses race. Um, and now that you guys mm. have said this, it's all coming together in my head. I literally just watched the movie like yesterday. So um, it's still, co- you know, cogitating in my head. Um, but there's this really almost throwaway line when Dame visits um, Donnie for the first time and he says, oh, you guys are the only black folks in this neighborhood. Right. And they're like yeah. these little lines like this, the way they grew up. It's about race without having to say it's about race. And I thought that was really clever. It's so, so clever. We're talking today about Creed 3, um, directed by and starring Michael B. Jordan. Although, as we've been saying, arguably you could also say this is Jonathan Majors' movie. Let us know if you've watched it, if you enjoy boxing films, the Creed franchise as a whole. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. But films, man. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. They take your name. They, they give you a number. How to start. I was the best, though. Yeah, you were. I was, bro. But I never got a chance to prove that. Look, all I'm saying, bro, if 
But Apollo Creed could take a chance on some underdog. Why can't you? BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And together we're talking about Creed 3, which is the latest installment in the Creed franchise. Um, I I think that the time has come to talk about the boxing and the fighting and the bodies and the gleaming and the mirrors (laughs) and all the rest of it. Because it's not a boxing movie if you don't have the training sequences. Or more specifically, it's not a film from the Rocky lineage, if you don't have a scene where somebody is like running up a hill or running upstairs, if you don't have scenes where people are like training, but opposite one another, but apart, but together. And I just loved all of it because we've established that Michael B. Jordan kind of smashed um, the, the directing of this movie. It's really good. But all of it, I think, would not have worked if he didn't land the boxing stuff. And the boxing stuff is so good. There are ways in which the fights are shot that just made my heart kind of thump. Oh, um, you know, given how many boxing movies there are, it's amazing that this movie still manages to make it look fresh and so new. The way the camera uh, sort of spins around these two guys, the way they look different because of the way they are shot. There's so much about this movie I love just in terms of how the the training and the boxing is depicted. Um yeah, no, it's such a gorgeous film. Also, these two men, the way they look, um, the the amount of work that's been put into their physique and the training, you can't help but just look at this movie and go, how did they make this happen? Yeah, uh, and I love how like the, the main events in each movie, right, like Creed 1, 2, and 3, uh, they all have their own uh, unique visual style. So Creed, Creed 1 was like a one-shot thing, uh, if I remember correctly, where they had to take it like 11 or 13 times. The, the main event is all like one take. Uh, Creed 2 is very similar to the classic Rocky movies, Rocky 1 and 2. Um, and Creed 3 is more like surreal and anime-inspired because Michael B. Jordan is such a huge um, anime nerd. So mm. I, I feel like unlike the Rocky films that all shared a similar um, visual style or visual template, um, these movies are so different from one another, which helps them to be really good standards alone movies like you don't have to watch creed 1 and 2 to understand creed 3 um they all look different they feel different um and it also i I think it helps because it doesn't feel the weight of the creed movies or the rocky movies um on its shoulders like it can just operate by itself and you're not asking a lot of questions like oh where's rocky or how did he get here or or, you know what happened to apollo creed or how did he you know make amends or whatever it's a really good standalone film and i think that also goes to the the directing by uh, michael b jordan the the sequences in which they're in the ring in which they are actually mm. in the boxing ring, um, the way the entrances the entrances are shot, uh, the way that the the bouts are kind of pushed through, I just thought that was beautiful. I think that there were some stylistic choices that when they first happened, I wasn't 100% um, sure on how it was going to feel. And then I realised, I said heart thumping earlier, and that comes because I actually felt my heart thump. Um, I felt like my heart was beating faster and I was thinking, huh... I've seen movies that have moved me. I've seen movies that have been exciting. I'm not sure I can remember the last time I was in a cinema maverick, um, you know, where, where there was that actual like physical, physiological reaction of, oh my God, what's, this is so tense. Um, and it's tense in a good way because you know how it's going to end up. It's not a spoiler to say that these are feel-good movies, you know. So I, it, it was a in that way, like a deeply satisfying viewing experience. Actually, the you know how it's going to end up, but also 
you kind of know that the the stakes are not that high because this is a franchise and there are things that need to fall in place. It's legacy, Sharmila. How dare you say this? No, but the I was going to say that, that the fact that despite all that, you still have that that stress of watching the match. Uh, the oh my god, what is going to happen? Um, it's amazing. Um, a, a movie has to do quite a lot of work to be able to elicit that in the audience. I mean, the the movie does a lot of work, and and like you guys said, they do a lot of work work just because of the way they look, um, and that's I, I think that's like a slight visual risk as well, right? Because the old like boxing movies, you they normally look like boxers, like they don't look like this, like they don't look like Jonathan Majors, um, and I. I if I remember correctly, it's because boxers cannot move with that much muscle. So they decide not to. They are like leaner and they're stronger, but they don't look like the way Jonathan Majors looked in this movie. Um, I love the look, though. I, I think it looks like a cartoon. I think that goes back to the the anime love from Michael B. Jordan, that he chose the the visual style, that they both look that way. They are ripped. Like, they're so, so ripped. It's insane. It's it's nuts. I, I know it's it sounds insane. like we're spending a lot of time talking about the bodies, but the movie wants you to do that. No. Like, it yeah. lingers, it shows, and you it's just... You said gleams, and, and there are scenes where they just look like they've been polished. And then there are two of mm. them because they're, like, you see them from the back, and then they're looking in the mirror, and it's really a celebration of physique. Mm. Yeah. You see sweat fly off someone's body in slow motion. I mean, they want you to they want you to know. It's it's <laughs> it's quite it's quite on purpose. Um but still, but still it's a it's a good visual choice. It's a bit risky. I felt like, oh, it looks a bit cartoony, a bit Scott Pilgrim at times. But Yes, Scott Pilgrim. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it worked. It worked so well. I don't know how it worked, but it worked. So um uh, were the cinemas full when you guys went to watch? Uh, for me, they were. Uh, the the theatre I was in was really packed. I went on Same. a weekday night and the cinema was half full. Oh, uh, mine was like a Sunday show. Uh, full, full, packed hall. And it made me happy. Um, partly because I think we've been talking recently about franchises that we wish would do something different or, um, you know, recent installments of franchises that um, suck. So the, the <laughs> fact that there's counter-programming out there that's really working and that's not just working as counter-programming but are good films in their own right, that made me really happy. I felt almost like we're maturing as a cinema audience that we have good choices. So it also struck me that the cinema I was in, most people seem to be fans. I'm not sure fans of Rocky or fans of Creed, but you could tell that they were excited, you know, when certain things happened. Uh, when the when the boxing starts, they all like, like you know, start chattering with their friends. So um, again, I think... This is proof, right, that franchises in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad. They can often come with a lot of goodwill. It's what you do with it that matters. Oh, it, it gonna, we're going to echo that sentiment when they make Top Gun 5. Um, <laughs> and they just milk that cash cow. Um, you said excitement. I, I just wanted to shout out the music in this movie. The curation by uh, Dreamville is awesome. Great. Yes. So good. The music is so, so good. good. The soundtrack, I think... Um, Heavy is the Head uh, by Dreamville and, and Baby Rose. They use it very specifically for one scene. And I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about that song and that scene. It's just like, oh, what a, what a soundtrack this movie has. Uh, which again, 
echoes the point actually, Sharmila, that you raised earlier, which is that the movie is not about race, uh, but that it does centre blackness. And mm. I really like that, that it centred blackness in a way that I, I didn't think was apologetic, but that also for a mainstream audience and an audience that's outside America, for instance, you don't feel that you don't understand. No, there's so many clever touches, right? The positioning of powerful black men, um, the mm. positioning of them within these spaces, these huge LA houses, which you're usually only used to seeing in uh, particular kinds of stories of particular kinds of rich people. There's a lot here that feels very clever, um, both an homage to blackness as well as to black men and their mm. specific experiences. But the movie never once falls into any kind of uh, big trope when it comes to... Mm. Or preachiness. Uh, or preachiness. Or, or, or preachiness. Not once. Um, and I think that was also like very clever and also very uh, purposeful. It's, it's the Ryan Coogler thing. It's the Ryan Coogler thing, I'm pretty sure. So the story was by Ryan Coogler, but the script was yeah. co-written by his brother, Keenan mm. Coogler, which is cool. So mm. it's, it's really a Coogler production, um, among others. Are we excited for Creed 4? I'm going to go watch Creed 1 and 2 first. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> like, where have I been? I have to catch up. Yes, I am excited. Yeah, Creed 4, Creed 5. Make this a six movie thing, lah. Why not? Dame 1, Dame 2. Dame 1, theme. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's go, let's go. Oh, God. You know, we're going to get up to like Creed 5 and then it'll start at Anderson 1. (laughs) And this is where we find ourselves. So we're talking today about Creed 3. Let us know. Have you watched it yet? Do you plan to? If you've seen it, did you like it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.